views, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Lots of news about the economy and the prospects of what's going to happen with the economy as we see things begin to slow down in the fourth quarter going into the first quarter of this year. So we have questions, and the person we go to for answers, uh, Kristen Benz, KB Advisory Group. Kristen, welcome back. Thanks so much for having me. Let's let's talk about perception being reality for so many people. You sent me a text about the con, uh, consumer confidence. The headline I f- found from the Wall Street Journal says the U.S. consumer is starting to freak out. Um, can, <laughs> that's the headline from the Wall Street Journal. Can you talk a little bit about consumer confidence right now? And what you why you think this is happening? Well, they've clearly been reading my tweets. Um, You know, what's not to freak out about, right? So we've gotten through record gas prices, food inflation, egg prices, don't get me started. Um, And now you have, you know, consumers are working two to three jobs in addition to their regular job. And now we have 64% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, right? And most of that cohort are folks making $100,000 or more. That's, that's the, staggering. Yeah, that's what surprised me. When you sent me that statistic that you're talking about families making $100,000 a year are part of the group that is living paycheck to paycheck. That is startling. Yes, it's insane. And, you know, you have all these headlines that come out that inflation is easing and, you know, we can probably take a breath. Things are going to be easier. But every time you hear that, there's some actual real data it shows you that that's not true. So our last conversation we had, we were talking about Walmart came out with their holiday numbers. And one thing that was interesting that stood out to me was that they were taking grocery market share from all these big grocers. And the, the portion of the market share that they took were families making that magic number of $100,000 or more. So what does that tell you? And typically, most folks would think, oh, wow, 100 grand a year. That's a pretty great number for a household. You're macking it. But when they're trading down to Walmart to maximize the dollar for their household, things aren't that rosy as they may seem. When you look, um, I want to shift gears for just a moment. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond closing a bunch of stores. I believe four of the closures are going to happen here in Arizona. Is this an indicator of the market as much as it is an indicator of uh, maybe just that that retailer? It, what, what do we learn from this? Well, Bed Bath & Beyond was one of those stocks that got caught up in those kind of meme stocks like AMC and Radio Shack. It was pumped and dumped, and that's a whole other different story for another day when you and I talk about the granularity of stocks and trading and all of that stuff. But that aside, there are a lot of very poor management missteps. You know, if you walked it, you know, we all get that 20% off coupon in the mail. <laughs> yeah. It's perpetual. That can't be good for business, right? If you're giving the store away at 20% off all the time, every day. So a lot of the wounds at Bed Bath & Beyond were self-inflicted. But nonetheless, consumers have really shifted, you know, the way that they're shopping and the way that they're buying. And that whole kind of lifestyle center, go in and buy whatever, it's really changed, you know, post-pandemic. All right. So I'm going to put together a string of things. And do they concern you? I'm not a doom and gloomer. I always believe we'll persevere. But you've got people with the highest credit card debt rate in such a very, very long time. As you said, people living paycheck to paycheck. We are now hearing rumors the gas 
gas may be approaching $4 a gallon again very soon because of demand going up. Um, is this beginning to be that perfect storm where everybody has been able to keep their heads above water, but some of them are just going to be so tired of trying to swim that they're going to drown? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was talking to uh, another colleague of mine, and we were saying how this doesn't feel like 2008, like you're not losing your home, Mm -hmm. right? And people that are losing jobs, it might take a little bit longer to find one, but it's not as, you know, death knell as 2008. I kind of want to call this a slow session. It's kind of like a slow recession mm-hmm. or a slow moving train wreck. So, and you know, I'm not giddy as I say this. It's just that it seems that that's how it feels. So you have massive tech layoffs, but the interesting that's happening, interesting thing that's happening within the tech sector is the folks that are getting laid off are finding jobs. And that's the key. And a lot of that tech layoff drama comes from over hiring and bad forecasting. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I don't think it's great, but I think that consumers need to be wary and cautious and just be very, very savvy for the next few months. It's going to be a little bumpy. Um, Yes, I always have a rosy outlook, but I'm also going to tell you what's actually happening. So let's talk about the housing market before I let you go. Kristen Bentz, by the way, is with us. She is with she is the founder of KB Advisory Group and a retail analyst for such a long time and been so right on the money as we've talked about this for years together. Um, So let's talk about the housing market in Phoenix. Goldman Sachs believes that Phoenix is one of four markets that may see a 25 percent decline in home values. We now have had some local economists speak out and say, yeah, not so fast. It's not really that way here. And some other experts come out and actually really push back against this and say that that's not the that's not the landscape here. How do you feel about the real estate market in the future of it in the short term here in Arizona? Well, no one's going to make any new friends by saying that the market's going to tank in the Phoenix metro area. But what I will tell you is this. It's a very different landscape in 2008. So we don't have people that are buying up multiple properties, flipping them, like all of these crazy um, credit default swaps that were vehicles to get folks that probably shouldn't be owning homes to own homes. So I think that's off the table. Um, I think that Phoenix and Arizona profited immensely from COVID and new folks that were moving in from states like California and states that weren't as favorable as we are with business and lifestyle, et cetera. But one thing that I will give you a positive uh, bit of uh, granularity is this. What anchors a city economically are meds and eds, okay? Hospitals and educational places, right? Colleges, schools. I see more new schools, more university extensions, more new hospitals being built out in Phoenix Glendale, Maricopa County, we're thriving. So that's why I stay here. That's why I live here, because economically, it's pretty hard to, you know, um, keep a, a city down or a county down that keeps innovating with medicine and education. And that's what we do. Great information, as always. If people want to follow you on social media, uh, I keep saying it. You're so much fun to follow because you're so smart, but you're also really funny and sarcastic, which I appreciate more than anything. Uh, How do they find you? (laughs) You can find me on Twitter. And yes, Twitter is still a thing. um, At Kristen Bentz, no spaces, K-R-I-S-P-I-N-B-E-N-T-Z. And you can follow me on Instagram with prettier pictures. And that's Kristen, middle initial C, Bentz, B-E-N-T-Z. Kristen, as always, you're welcome back anytime, and it's great talking with you. 
Oh, thank you so much. All right, that's Kristen Bentz. She is the CEO of KB Advisory Group and a wealth of information. Just a little digger, digging a little deeper on the economy. And so it was good to talk with her. In a moment, if independents were a political party, would they dominate American politics? One study says absolutely. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, happy Tuesday from the Mike Broomhead Show. Uh, there's Here is the headline. We've been talking a lot about uh, politics in general. We had the chairman, the new chairman of the Arizona Republican Party on, Jeff DeWitt. Um, and I'd like to have that conversation with the Democrats as well. Do they feel as if there is a division within their party? Um, my criticism of the Republican Party has been, I, I, and because I am a Republican, I was, and I was very involved in party stuff for a long time, just not so much anymore. Um, and... Part of it is I think there is a bit of a disconnect or there has been a bit of a disconnect between party leadership and party voters because, you know, as a voter, you're not a member of the Republican Party. Um, you have to be an elected PC or precinct committeeman or a state committeeman in order to have votes for leadership and things of that nature. I know it's all – I mean that's stuff people don't want to get involved in, but um, – I believe there's been a disconnect between leadership and voters for a while, and um, this is an interesting headline. It is from TheHill.com. If, if independent were a party, it could dominate American politics. Um, and the idea behind this is two-fifths of Americans identified as independent in 2022, far more than stood with their either party. Um, and this is according to Gallup. Uh, as a political identity, independent has polled better than Democrats or Republicans since 2009, which I didn't realize. And the reason why I ask this is because – I think we all have very strong beliefs, and, and, and sometimes we're getting to a point <clears throat> where people aren't being pigeonholed into a party or another one. Now, again, I'm, I'm proud to be a Republican voter. I'm not going anywhere, but I respect people on the other side of the aisle. I'm not a name caller. I don't, and I'm not an insult thrower. I would rather have a conversation. There's a great conversation, which we're going to talk about a little bit later on in the show. As a matter of fact, in the next segment about school choice, and we have a conversation that's going on online about school choice, and it's interesting how that topic crosses party lines. What I mean by that is more and more parents are saying we want the control. We should have control of what's taught in the classrooms because it's our children and our tax dollars, and so it's not a partisan issue. And I like those issues where people can come together from both sides of the aisle, maybe for different reasons, and find a path forward. Is America starting to uh, – the American voter, are they starting to tire of the constant one side or the other fighting back and forth? Republicans will tell you that it's Democrats that are going to ruin America, and the Democrats will tell you if Republicans get elected, America is never going to be the same. We'll never get it back. And I heard this going back and forth the entire time I've been in this business. You know, I watched um, – I watched when Barack Obama became president of the United States when he ran for reelection. The mantra from the right was if he gets reelected, we will never get America back. America will go so far in the wrong direction that we'll never recover from it. And that was just an, a statement that was just patently false. I didn't agree with the Obama administration on so many things, but it wasn't going to ruin the country. As a matter of fact, from a 
my point of view as a Republican, 18 months after Donald Trump became president, we had an economy that was roaring like we had never seen. So we were back on track in short order from a Republican perspective. And on the opposite side of that, the everybody yelling about how Donald Trump was ruining America and our reputation in the world and we were never going to be the same and we were never going to regain anything. And now they're thrilled that we've got President Biden getting it back on track in their opinion in just a couple of years. Why don't we talk about the issues and solutions and talk about what works? And that's where I've, I don't wear I don't wear a Republican T-shirt. I don't walk around leading with the fact that I'm a Republican. I talk about issues, and I I am a Republican because my values and what I believe works works politically most closely aligns with the principles of the Republican Party. And I admit there are people in my party that don't do what I want. There are people in my party that um, are hip- hypocrites when it comes to spending. They talk about being small government and they're not. So all of these things exist. But the average American voter, when you think about it, many of them are not hardline invested in a party to the point that they're going to make excuses for bad behavior in their party and they're going to crush people on the other side that misstep. The average person just wants a government that works. They want them to keep their word. They don't want them to waste the tax dollars they've been given. They want them to stay out of their bedrooms. They want them to stay out of their business as much as possible. We want to pay our taxes. We want the roads to be sufficient and we want to live our lives. And I think that's why the study shows this, you know, that the if there was a party called independent, they could possibly dominate American politics. I think both political parties have to look at that. They have to look at how they are going to win elections by talking to the people that are fed up with both parties. I just think it's an interesting conversation Uh, in a moment. The debate over school choice continues. We are going to talk about a, a uh, an interview that happened with the head of the Arizona Educators Association, the AEA. That's coming up here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, Nick Saletti over at ABC 15 interviewed Marisol Garcia, who is the president of the AEA, or the Arizona Education Association, one of the teachers unions. There's AEA and there's AEU. Um, Arizona Educators United is the other one. And uh, Marisol Garcia is a very outspoken uh, president of that organization. And uh, I don't think I've ever had her. I may have had her on the air once. Um, I'm always open for a conversation with people that I disagree with. They are fully against the expansion of the um, ESA program. And she was talking about this with uh, ABC 15 and asked about whether or not Arizona is getting school choice right. Um, I think there's a lot of accountability issues going on in charter schools. I have um, I, a parent, um, a taxpayer, a voter, have no idea how charter schools spend their money. I have no idea what they're teaching in those classes. I have no idea who's teaching in those classes. So um, the same type of accountability to which I need to have to my students, I believe the charter school should have as well. Two things. Number one, um, let's talk about accountability. Do you think you know where your school district spends all of its money? Do you know how hard they pushed back against having the uh, curriculum and class assignments posted online for parents to review? Let's start there about accountability. And secondly, this is what I find fascinating about this conversation. You're a parent. You have a child. 
you're not happy with the district school that your child is in. Maybe it's not even the school. It just isn't a good fit for your child. So you want to take your child and put your child in a charter school or somewhere else. Just based on what you just heard, Miss Garcia believes you're not qualified to make sure you get a good education for your child, that you're going to stick your child in some school and then forget about the whole thing and not make sure that they're up to standard, not make sure that they're doing a good job, that parents can't figure this out unless the government tells them it has to be done. Now, I'm in favor of transparency. I wouldn't put my child in a school if I didn't know what they were being taught, which is why parents are shopping for schools and they want options. That is the very reason why they're looking for opportunities somewhere else. The idea that we are getting transparency from district schools is a fantasy. We aren't, which is why parents are upset. We had Jake Hoffman on. He's a senator in the state of Arizona, state senate. He is also the chairman of the Freedom Caucus, the Arizona Freedom Caucus. And one of the things that they are saying as a body, about one third of the Republicans are in the Freedom Caucus. They have said they are not voting to override the aggregate expenditure limits unless they see big changes. Accountability is one of the changes they want to see. So it's interesting that when asked if we're getting it right in school choice, this was the reasoning behind no, we're not. Because you can say the exact same thing about district schools and the fight that was put up by the AEA and the AEU about any kind of putting up curriculum online for parents to see. As a matter of fact, if you look at some of the school districts like Chandler and Scottsdale, when parents started asking questions, look what happened to them. Remember the phrase domestic terrorist that was thrown out by a school district? The FBI was asked to come in and watch parents that were coming into school district meetings. So if you want to talk about accountability, this is where the people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. So the thought on the expansion of the ESA program. I mean, I think the voucher uh, vote and the passage of it was one of the worst things that has happened in Arizona history when it comes to education. Um, there is no way of us knowing what that money is being used once again. And this this is again, it's it's so funny that how ironic this is when your do- your tax dollars, whether they're the federal tax dollars that are sent into the state or they are the state tax dollars that go to the school districts, the money is allocated to our public school districts and they have no oversight. They spend that money any way they want, any way they want. So what is the difference? Here's the difference. As it was before, you were stuck. You live in that neighborhood, your property tax dollars or your rent because your owner of your property pays the property taxes was going to fund that district school. You went there or you didn't. And if you wanted to go somewhere else, you could, but you better be able to afford it all yourself or you couldn't go. Now you have the option of taking dollars with you. That's what this fight is about. This is we have no idea where that money is being spent. This is what parents are screaming about at the district schools. What do those curriculums you purchase? And they purchase many of them. There are curriculums out there that are available for free for school districts that are quality curriculums. But many of them you got to pay for and you have to pay to train the teachers and it costs a lot of money. What are you spending on these things? What are you prioritizing in the classroom? What curriculums are you paying for first? So great questions. If you want to ask them of charter schools, I'm good with that, too. But we need to know what the district schools are doing. So, so far, they are saying the same thing about charter schools that we have been saying about district schools, which is why people want more choice.
So what do you say to the parents that like the expansion of the ESA program? Yeah, I think they're they're welcome to do that. There just needs to be an equal playing field for how the money is used, if especially if it's taxpayer money. And secondarily, we need to make sure that um, you know education and educators are here for the common good. I, I have no idea what that means. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea what that means, a level playing field. The way this does level the playing field, you had the district schools had all control of all of the money. Now they don't. That's leveling the playing field for the parents. That is leveling the playing field. Now you can not only take your child and go somewhere else, you can take dollars attached to your child and go somewhere else. Within the sound of my voice right now, there are families out there that have a lot of money that are using their tax dollars because of the ESA expansion to keep their kids in a private school. I have no problem with that. It's their tax dollars. It's their money too, just like your child's dollars are. But more so, I will say to you that there are working class families within the sound of my voice that now have an opportunity to put their child, a gifted child or a child that learns differently into a situation where they can flourish in education. How can you be against it? How can you be against it? And um, what do you say to parents that want more oversight of the district schools? Then I think they should go and talk to the teachers. They should email the teachers. They should go to school board meetings. Um, this is something that has been always been open. School board meetings happen every two weeks. They're open to the public. You can ask for every piece of information. You can ask the principal. You can ask the teacher. This has always been open. So I think it's almost like a manufactured rage when really the large amount of edu- teachers and parents who drive up to their elementary school and open the door and let their child go completely trust the adults in that building or they wouldn't have never done it um that is a blind look at what we've seen over the last two years do i believe that most teachers are transparent absolutely do i believe that the vast majority of school districts are 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 transparent no i don't there are some of them that aren't there you look at what happened in the Chandler School District. You look at what's happening in Scottsdale. There is a letter that's been written to the to the superintendent of the Scottsdale Unified School District and an interview he did years ago when he was working in another state saying that the entire system needs to be wiped out, that we have to get rid of it. It needs to be dismantled. And they're starting to writing letters. So far, no comment. The pre- the president of the school board lost his job as president because his father was doxing parents that dared show up at school board meetings. The Arizona School Board Association um, uh, broke, dissolved the relationship with the National School Board Association because the National School Board Association using the phrase domestic terrorists and writing to the White House and asking the FBI to investigate parents that were going to school board meetings. So to be that Cavalier and say, just go to meetings. They're not welcome at meetings. That's been the problem. There are some school districts that get it right. There are some teachers and schools that absolutely get it right. And they are the majority. But there are so many instances of where they're not. And I've got so many stories in front of me that I'm not going to have time to get to right now that I would like to get to a little bit later that are talking about this topic where we're seeing things that are completely inappropriate happening in school. And when they're called out for it, they try to cover it up. And 
that's what parents are trying to end. And when they can't end it in a specific school, they should be able to take their child and take their money and go somewhere else. And that's what this expansion is allowed. And it's a great thing. And they're going to have a hard time defeating it. And they're trying. Coming up in a moment, will the federal government need to step in over the Colorado River plans? We'll talk water coming up in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I'll say it again. I've said it many times. If you haven't seen the new Top Gun movie, go see it. I I, I loved it. And I don't rave, rave about movies. I've only heard one person that didn't like it. One. Everybody else raves about it. It was such a good movie. Go see it. Um... Well, the federal government need to step in over the Colorado River plans. In the West, pressure to count water loss to evaporation. We know we live in a desert, so what are they going to do there? But states are at an impasse as the Colorado River water deadline arrives. Pressure builds on California. Um, I railed about this a little bit yesterday. Because we have done as a state, and I, I'm gonna I am gonna get statistics on this, but we have done much better as a state of water storage. We have treated water as the premium it is. It is a commodity. And we understand living in a desert, we don't get a lot of rain. Um, my first time in Arizona, the first time I came here, I flew out in the summer like an idiot. And I moved, came out to Arizona in the summertime. And as we were landing at Sky Harbor Airport, you know, they, they come on the, uh, the loudspeaker and you know, the PA system in the plane and they, you know, hey, we're getting ready to land and the weather is this and it's this temperature outside. And um, as we were landing, the pilot said, it's raining in Phoenix. And everybody on the plane began to applaud. Now, I grew up in Florida where we get 30 inches of rain in August. It rains every day. They were applauding rain. And I thought, man, what are these these people crazy? And then the pilot said in some parts of the valley, there's an inch and a half of rain on the ground and people started to freak out. And I thought an inch and a half of rain is Tuesday where I come from. What is the problem? I didn't realize that there's nowhere for the water to go, that this is where the washes start to run the way they do. And but. Even then, water was so, I mean, the rain, people love the rain. What we've been able to do in Arizona, what we have done by necessity is we have maintained and managed our water much better than our neighbor, our neighbors, or at least as well, if not better, certainly better than California. California is pushing back on this plan and this agreement. The other states have already bought into this, but California is pushing back. The federal government may have to step in. This is where it's getting dicey. California is the biggest state. They are also they are so far behind in managing and storing rainwater. The immense rains they just had devastating. When you have those kinds of floods, it's horrible landslides and floods. And but the one. Um, Silver lining is if you can store that water. The headline says the winter rain and snow won't be enough to pull the West out of drought. Well, we understand that it's not going to pull us out. But what we are seeing is like I think Flagstaff has over 40 inches more snow than an average winter. 
We had a wet monsoon. We were, I was just mentioning all of this yesterday. We had a wet monsoon, and the weather experts were saying this is good news, but what we really need is we really need to have a wet winter. We have to have snowpack because that runoff is where we're really going to see. You look in Colorado, they have had heavy snow where we get that river runoff that comes our way. We have seen heavy snowfall in northern Arizona, much above the average. So, no, it's not going to solve our problems. This drought has been going on for years. It's not going to be solved in one good year of good weather, but it certainly is a reprieve. If we continue to do what we do in Arizona, which is really focus on storage of that runoff water and how we store rainwater and what we do, along with some of the self-induced cuts we've made, um, make make sure you water how you're supposed to water, when you're supposed to water, um, we're going to be fine. And, and that's good news. Uh, I'm not saying the problem's over. I'm saying we are moving in the right direction. It is fascinating to me, and maybe it's because you know I've been in Arizona so long that all things California tend to bother me a little bit. But it is funny to me, very odd and ironic, that the state of California that is supposed to be the uh, the environmentalist capital of America – is the one that's behind when it comes to the simplest thing of storing rainwater. All this rain that they've had recently, and the big complaint is most of that rainwater runs off into the ocean instead of being captured and instead of being stored. So they are the ones that are behind on all of this. And if the federal government steps in, Arizona better be careful because Arizona uh, Arizona is not a big state compared to uh, California and its population. And we want to make sure that even though we're doing the right thing, that we have the water we need and we're rewarded for doing the right thing. We should not pay the penalty because a state like California doesn't do what it's supposed to be doing with water. Coming up just after 10 o'clock. We are going to talk about the Arizona attorney general being asked, being asked by the head of elections, by our secretary of state to look into possible law breaking when it comes to posting pictures of voter signatures by Carrie Lake. Is this a political stunt or was there illegalities that happened here that need to be looked into? So just after 10 o'clock, we'll dive into the elections once again. We again, we had our 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 new chairman of the AZGOP on. We didn't ask him about this, but it's a great question for all of us. We'll get to it coming up here in just a few moments.